With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, listeners. We are back with another edition of Capulin with the RV. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic of the future of humanity, love and peace. One of our two special guests includes Dr. Richard Harris, author of Imagine. Our other guest is Dr. Anneluz Smitsman, who is the co-author of the book The Quest of Rose. So, my dear Richard and Anneluz, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much for having us. Wonderful. Thank you. Great to be here. I am delighted to have you and Richard on my RV today. And it's amazing that we are in three different corners of the world. I'm in Europe, Richard, you are in Oceania, and Anneluz, you are based in Africa right now. I'm curious to know what brought you to Mauritius. Mm, um, my former husband and children. <laughs> so, that's, uh-huh. yeah, and the children are small, so I decided to stay to raise them here. But I was born and raised in the Netherlands. Uh, and a lot of my work is globally, so I'm also looking forward to going back to the Netherlands and uh, spend also more time with my family over there. But right now, <laughs> uh, this is home for the kids, so this is where I am with them. And I'm sure your kids love Mauritius. It's very famous for its crystal waters and also the sandy beaches. Yeah, the nature is spectacular here and it's very multicultural. So it's a very interesting environment for them to grow up with so many different belief systems and cultures and practices and ways. Yeah, that is good. And Richard, you are a big traveler. Have you ever been to Mauritius? Now, I've dipped my uh, toes into the Indian Ocean on both sides. So I've been uh, in Western Australia and, and South Africa but I've never been to Mauritius, although the rest of my family have, I have to admit. So my kids and my wife went there on a beautiful holiday, but not me. So this is a, another place I've got to you know, tick off. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I agree it with you. It's a fantastic place to live. And Richard, you've briefly touched on this when you came on the show last time, but we discussed the, the notion of peace. When did you first realize how important this is for you? Really good question. I, I, I was brought up in a very strict uh, Christian 
family, Catholic, the the notion of prayer was was just a very ordinary thing for us. So communing communing with the universe in the form of the Catholic God, I guess, was um, was the a natural thing to do for me up until even the age in, into my 30s. And I was always, always very interested in meditation as well. And I think you touch on inner peace when when you do a lot of that. Um, as I kind of moved away from formal religion, I still needed to find that, that inner peace. So there's so many different ways, but I think nature is just such an, an obvious way to find peace. So that's I think that's where I'm, I most feel connected to to that sense. Yeah, this is the best combination because like meditation helps us declutter our minds. And nature is refreshing, it's enlightening. And Anilus, you've seen to dedicate your life to helping civilizations that enhance people's well-being and the well-being of the planet. This is just amazing. So how did you first become interested in this? That's a great question. Um, since I was a little girl, uh, because I felt very, very close to nature, always, always around animals. I considered them my first friends and my first teachers. Um, but I also saw the darker sides uh, of humanity. And uh, when I was a teenager, I was elected as a um, part of a Dutch delegation to be a member of the European Youth Parliament, sitting side to side with the European Parliament, was traveling all over Europe in those days, um, meeting with um, diplomats and prime ministers, etc., uh, for the need for a united Europe. Um, you know, the EU hadn't yet formed in those days, and that was really on the wreckage of two world wars. Uh, so, you know, you also get to understand that if, if, if we do not take care of our world and we do not take care of each other, uh, we're going to lose something that's really, really precious. So this concern started very early. Um, also, already in those days, you know, you'll be confronted also with, with flooding. Um, you confronted with, um, you know, Mother Nature can, can roar. <laughs> <laughs> and when she does, she can be violent too. <laughs> uh, and we have to learn to respect nature. Uh, and right now, the way we are destabilizing the climate systems and destroying the ecosystems of our planet, it is unbelievable. And so, yes, because I have such a love for nature and for life and for humanity, and as a mother for the future generations, I've dedicated my entire life to do whatever I can. Um, to help shift the trajectory of collapse and destruction and move towards uh, peace and um, care for each other and for life and uh, love. Oh, this is a beautiful work. This, we need more people doing this. Thank you very much, Annalise. So, Richard, what are your thoughts on a shared responsibility regarding a change in this world? We are, I mean, it's all in everybody's hands to, to change. How we go about convincing people or instilling the sense of responsibility or the sense of togetherness or to break down divisions, that's, that's a whole other practical question. I've had to kind of invent a science fiction uh, technology in my, in my brain to change the way humans, so to, to bring out the best of humans and therefore their consciousness 
is is one towards cooperation and towards non-greed and non-possessions and non-borders and uh, and a sense of of the world being a village and the universe being you know their their oyster and this world as being a precious part of that so you know how we convince the masses of that in a practical way is is a fascinating question so i'd like to think that we'll contribute in our little ways to, to doing that absolutely richard small things can make a big difference and and Luz, do you believe that it's possible that people can improve the way they connect to one another and also uh, will care about our planet and protect it? Mm. For myself, I avoid asking myself the question, is it possible? I say it is necessary. Mm. And because I know it's necessary, I will continue to work towards that uh, direction. I think that's really important. You know, a long time ago, we somehow have legitimized that war was possible and that violence was possible and that dividing people was possible and degrading life was possible. So we have made that possible. We have somehow formed agreements around that and then normalized that over time. We have normalized the impossible, the unthinkable. And so by very deep within making that you know determined uh, commitment of what what possible means possible people in a possible world that works for all means and then to decide for what is necessary and then just every day do a little bit towards that and that's how we we make that world livable uh, again But it's again, it's a process that we can't ever let go. Every new generation will have to put in the effort. And this is also why love and compassion and wisdom and support is so important. Just like in your house, in your room, if you don't keep it clean, you don't take care of it, it's going to become a mess. (laughs) So, you know, we're not, we may be inborn with the potential for more wisdom and enlightenment. Mm-hmm. But that potential is not going to bloom and blossom and manifest fully unless we invest in that and we make that possible for us and everyone else. Yeah. yeah. I think it's impossible to be healthy in a planet that is unhealthy. You know, it's sick. Our world is getting very sick. And we need, as you said, to do something right now. And you both seemed to step into the literary world in order to share your message. Anna Luz, your book is called The Quest of Rose. Can you quickly tell us what your book is about? Thank you, yes. It's the first book of the Future Humans trilogy, which I've written with my co-author, Dr. Jean Houston. And she's in the United States. Um, we meet every day <laughs> on Zoom and interesting, but we have never physically met. So the whole way of writing this as a deep friendship and partnership is itself also part of the whole story. Um, the quest of Rose, Rose is the main character in the book. And she's around her mid-20s. She's uh, lived in many different cultures and countries as well, but she's very much influenced more on the indigenous wisdom of Europe. Uh, she has an Icelandic uh, grandmother 
Um, and these are fictional characters, but the characters are telling many of the stories and the dreams that Jean and I have had of our lives. Um, and it includes the book, um, Real Science, and it includes also references to, to real people um, and even voices of, of real people. There's even a character, Olaf, which is uh, based on uh, my uh, younger son <laughs> and some of the things that he shared. But the story begins really with Rose uh, having a near-death experience in the hospital when she's hospitalized with COVID. And she's really struggling for her life. And says to the universe, really show me how can I heal? And this can't be the end. Um, you know, I'm so young. And she didn't see it coming. Uh, it all happened very quick, very overactive uh, immune system. And as she is um, passing beyond the veil, she sees her, the earth in a similar condition. And she sees herself um, being cocooned and the earth being cocooned and an old reality in an old world dying and falling apart. And as she asks the universe, please guide me, please help me. What is it I need to understand about life and about myself and consciousness in order to make a new choice, a choice that can change everything? And through that, she finds the power of conscious choice and she finds that there is a new cycle, a new era that is starting to emerge, but it's not yet born. And she dives into the future consciousness of herself from that new era, that new possibility, that new coding, even new archetypes. And it's through that future consciousness that she starts to then understand the, the, the larger picture of what's going to happen. And not to only focus on the collapse and the dying away, but how the universe itself renews itself, transforms itself, and how it does so with information, cosmic architecture of consciousness itself that is immortal. So there is an information that is not bound by space and time that is really underlying as the building blocks of reality and even materiality. So she finds the way to connect with that information, cosmological information in herself and in the world, accesses that her power of conscious choice. And through that discovers with the help of her grandmother, nine cosmic keys, for then being able to go through that deep process of transformation and healing and renewal. Oh, that's that sounds so interesting actually i just got mm. your book but i still didn't have time to read it and i started reading imagine research <laughs> your book is out now and it's called imagine what was your inspiration behind this story of the book Well, I think throughout history, there's been these dreamers and these uh, gurus and these wonderful prophets, I guess. And one of them was a, a chap called John Lennon, and he was a very flawed genius, but um, he did have amazing resilience in, in terms of trying to tell the world, you know, where we might go in terms of, uh, of, of ridding ourselves of all the silliness that we've collected, as, as Annalise so, so beautifully um, put earlier. And all the concept of war, the concept of why are we fighting each other? Why are we why are we hating each other? Why are there these isms of everything? Why do we have to divide ourselves so much? So the inspiration was the song itself, Imagine, which uh, I think my, probably half the world is familiar with. But it's um, it's an anthem for 
a world that is is quite a beautiful concept of of living in harmony. And the song itself has such beautiful harmony. So that's where where the inspiration came from. This uh, this flawed genius called John Lennon. So yeah, I, I'm trying to echo in in the book the the chorus and verse of the song itself, and also the the message, uh, taking the lyrics almost literally and turning the world into my version of, of Imagine the Song. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's beautiful. You've mentioned before the idea of a word without borders. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, your, your path in life has been beautifully around the world. You've lived in all of these amazing places, uh, Lucia, and, and also Annalise, incredible experience. And Uh, my wife also was born in Africa and then moved back to Holland with her parents and then off to Western Australia and came over the other side of the coast. And then she never stopped traveling with me. So the sense of, of the world being a little bit smaller and a little bit more like a village was pretty strong. By the time I'd traveled in my early 20s to Europe, I, I was completely addicted to traveling and, and experiencing the world and the beauty of the world. So Uh, one of the funny things that we have is is these things called countries, and um, I think it's a fairly primitive concept, and it's it's a way of organising our our world, I guess. But I think in a more evolved world where uh, there wasn't, we were citizens of the world, there wouldn't have to be that that distinction. And so, if you were a qualified physiotherapist in Spain or, or a, um, uh, a plumber or a, or a neurosurgeon. You should be able to work in whatever country of the world you like. And if you're a teacher um, with skills in Estonia or Finland that can bring uh, amazing education opportunities to people in Mexico, that should be very a very easy thing to do and you should be able to, to travel in a borderless world. So that, that was one of the, one of the um, ideas of Imagine. Um, certainly, John Lennon said no country, so I had to had to bring that in. But it's um uh it's a, it, I think it would be a fantastic world where we didn't have to kind of tie ourselves to one country. And it's lovely to see you you two have done that, you know, in real in the real world. So um, mm. I've lived briefly in England, and I haven't been too adventurous, but I, I, I think I want to be more adventurous in that uh, in that sense in the future. Yeah, so, and, uh, and maybe we wouldn't have wars because yeah. wars are all related to power and many other yeah. things. And Anna Louis, a question for you. I'm so curious to know how can we become a vector of love? <laughs> yes, that's part of my in my TED talk. <laughs> yes. But, yes, a vector. Um, it has a point of origin. And it has reach, magnitude, and has direction. And so if using the, that, that concept, these three basic elements, we can ask ourselves, what's my point of origin? What's my, my reach, magnitude, within and out? And what am I focusing on? So if you apply the vector now to the concept of love, you fundamentally shift your perspective and you start asking different questions. So your point of origin then becomes a common unity Not my separateness, not the borders that Richard was talking about, but really this understanding of the fundamental unity of life itself. So that's your point of origin. So you source deeply within your own humanity as a common humanity, as in your membership with life. Then as a vector of love, 
your reach, your reach deep within and your reach to others, to that same potential, to that wholeness, to that unity, to that potential for us to become better people, wiser people, more loving and compassionate beings. And your direction then, so what you're pointing towards as a factor, um, is really how to co-create um, this more beautiful world that we know in our, that we can imagine in our hearts is possible that we can feel within, that we, we know and recognize with all of our senses when we are in that experience. So as a vector of love, you, you stand really clearly uh, on, those, on those three grounds of being. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understood. I watched your TED talk and I really like her presentation. We should use it. Yeah, I say that. It's very good. Very good. It's very it good. And Richard, what is your prediction about the future of the humanity? I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will keep evolving as beings. And, and there's no reason, as the, as the technologies get better to make the world a smaller place, people are going to be more aware that there is a life of tolerance. There is a life of, um, of being peaceful. You don't have to be in this tribe all the time. So this the idea of having to defend and then invade other people's lands is, is has to evolve, I think, slowly. I mean, I, it'd be interesting if there was a technology that came and changed the way people thought, but that, that for me was more a literary device or a, a metaphor for... The, the, the eventual evolution that we could have. Mm-hmm. So to, to have a bunch of California scientists uh, putting some harmonics and waves together that transform the behaviour of not just the rats in the lab, but also themselves, and they find themselves thinking more clearly and, and acting more clearly and being more conscious and more huggy. And um, and then they realise if they deploy this around the, the world on the same day, that the, the world would transform on this, on this day. But... You know how we bring that in on a more on a rapid scale is is a really interesting question. I, I'm open to the practicalities of that because we're seeing the great powers concentrating on division and and perpetrating and perpetuating division, and that's something. I mean, it's also you see wonderful things happening like. 136 countries agreeing to net zero by 2050. I mean, that's the fact that we can get together on a global scale um, as a humanity and do things like that gives you hope that there's other things that we could come in a practical sense to agree to. And if you've got ideas out there and there are people um, in their in their little ways pushing these ideas, then hopefully that will just head us all in the right direction a little quicker. So I'm hopeful. I'm an optimist for the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I'm optimist too. And also, Annie Lewis, I'm sure she's an optimistic. <laughs> yes. And- and for you, Anne Louise, what comes to your mind when you think about the future of the humanity? Yes, it's, it's fascinating. And building also on Richard, I really appreciate how you're bringing forth these morphogenetic fields and how that also can help support this shift in consciousness. What comes into mind, and you're asking that question, is actually kind of a long view. So if I was to be here, coming back to planet Earth 100 years from now, what would I see? And then the first thing that comes into my mind is that it's like there are two species of Homo originalis, uh, which is almost like we have now when you have endemic seeds <laughs> or you have endemic plants. So we, these are the humans that still have some of the kind of original coding. <laughs> and, um, and then another kind of species that we don't have a name for yet. Um, it's like a SIP species, which is, is it's a lot more technological, a lot more robotic. Um, and different kind of behaviors, a lot of more uh, genetic engineering, but not seeing also, again, the implications of that. So we have the genetically modified humans, you could almost say, just like we have with, mm-hmm. uh, with fruits and vegetables. And uh, the, the, the original, more the, yeah, so that we... Even the concept of indigenous uh, humans takes a whole other dimension and it really is no longer just indigenous to the, to the culture where you were born and, and your ancestry, but seems to be that you're still part of an offspring of human beings, um, a, a human originalis. And, um, and that those people also seems to be having two different approaches to the challenges. So there, there's the people who are choosing the bioregional focus, um, the what we call the, the global, um, local action based on a global understanding, but that's not the globalism of capitalism. And it is not the globalism of these superpowers uh, based on very different, so based on ecological consciousness, Earth citizenship, uh, that isn't divided among nation states. So people who have been kind of working together that way and have helped to create a maturation pathway for our human species. We are a very young species. When you study the maturation of species, you often see that in the beginning phases, there's a lot of competition and killing each other for resources. And then species discover it makes more sense to collaborate. And so it seems that those people are also, if you look from a long perspective, they would have been really driving this maturation pathway for our species through collaboration, through coordination, uh, and through uh, co-creation. And then an other off-branch of a kind of species that chose a very technological uh, and and in many ways artificial approach to solving that. Um, Some goodness may have come out of that as well, but um, perhaps at a loss of creativity and artistry uh, and culture um, and also with a, at, a, at a loss of understanding that complexity um, so they would have had and tried to reduce the complexity through an artificial technological approach um, and so it's, it seems almost like two in, in some ways two different worlds that that's that is my my future sensing uh, uh-huh. Interesting, Richard. In your opinion, what 
is the first thing we could start doing now to change the world. If we are this rational, intelligent being, then that day, war, people would put their guns down and the governments would stop. We would form ways of doing democracy that uh, was much more uh, coherent across the whole population. So you'd have um, technologies on your phone that would, you'd be able to be a champion of ideas. So analysts would take her idea forward to the highest level and that would make sense to people and they would vote on it and say, yes, analysts is brilliant, we're going to do this. And so somebody who was an expert at getting rid of plastics would take that idea all the way forward. We would not have people earning 13,000 times more than their labourers. We'd have them maybe earning five times more. And you'd have a, an incentive, but you wouldn't have so much greed that you've got poverty to uh, and, and these ridiculously wealthy people. So there's a few obvious things to do. What do you do first? I, I think... You know, there's so many things we could do to change the world tomorrow, get rid of guns, get rid of nuclear weapons. I mean, there's, you know, sort out the climate re problem very quickly um, before we actually do ruin this planet. So yeah. that's such a crucial thing. But, yeah, there's, there's I, you know, there's a thousand ideas. And I'm sure Annalise, and I'm really looking forward to reading her book and, and getting that's really interesting spiritual dimension to the changes that we need to take within ourselves, not just sort of, oh, this problem is going to be sorted that way. But, um, yeah, I think we're coming at it from slightly different ways, but, but um, yeah, really interesting. I love, love to read your book. Yeah. yeah, and Richard said something very important. We have to change ourselves first. So, Anna Louise, what about you? What do you think we should start doing right now? Today, I decided I'm going to change the world. So what's the first, what is the first thing you would like, you could tell our listeners that they should do to change, start changing right now? In addition to reading Rich's book, yes. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> looking forward to that, <laughs> starts with imagine, actually, <laughs> you know, the power of imagine and imaginal is, is unbelievable. Yeah. We have that one of our cosmic keys is the, yes. is, um, the power of the imaginal, <laughs> your imaginal power, um, yes. because it actually changes everything from there. Imaginal is not just imagination. It's the direct access to the transformative capacities and powers of life itself. So the imaginal, the, yeah. so yeah, Richard, I think it's brilliant that you came up with that. And um, but yeah, the first inner action, so the inner actions and the outer actions, and, and you also need to make sure they become congruent. Otherwise, you create a lot of dissonance in yourself, but also in your relationships. So the first inner action is to really start to access your future potential and ask yourself what future in me am I feeding? What really is my view of life and, and my own evolution as a person, but also the evolution of a species? Which humanity am I really part of here? Uh, and if, if the answer to that question is, you know what, I'm actually an offspring of a, of a species that is going to evolve in, in a direction of becoming more wise uh, and more aware, um, if that is the, the species that is alive in you, then you need to keep that alive. <laughs> that means that you need to nurture then that seed in you each and every day. Um, and, and also in your dreams, in your aspirations, and in your feelings. 
because there is also these other potentials of a degrading species and, and um, a species um, that is in denial of itself. Yeah, because we're looking right now, we're rather schizophrenic as a species, and we have a lot of developmental disorders yes. <laughs> because we become so destructive. So it's also know those tendencies in, in yourself and how to address that, how not to buy into that, how not to feed that, and to say, okay, that's also there, but it's not going to be the future that I'm feeding. And then when you're clear on that, you know, who are you as a human being? How is your human beingness, the seed that you are, becoming a seed as a future ancestor for which reality? And then from that space, looking at the outer actions that you can take, which of course, first of all, is about reducing the greenhouse gas emissions, reducing waste, taking care of your own little environment. Um, you know, be wise about the way you spend money. <laughs> Um, because these days money and politics go hand in hand. So you, you vote with your wallet in other ways. Uh, help drive that, that change. Um, here in Mauritius, um, when they were still very heavy on plastic, I used to come with my little cloth bag for fruits and vegetables. Actually, because I'd lived in Australia for so long, and there we always had these containers coming to the local stores, you know, and then you pick your container, you fill up rice and pasta and and I always had a, a, a box of organic fruits and vegetables. And when I came in Mauritius, they didn't have that. So I remember going to the supermarket with my little cloth back and they said, no, we can't put a sticker on that. We need to have a plastic to put a sticker and then we can scan the sticker. I said, well, then let's make a policy how now you can put a sticker on a cloth bag. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it starts sometimes so simple and now it's okay. But you have to drive the change. You have to... to don't wait for change to happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. Create those pathways and believe that that is possible. It becomes first possible in you. And then you make it possible in, your, in the world and in your environment. And then also remember to, because this is hard work sometimes, to do relax, to have fun, to also enjoy life, to appreciate each other. You know, and let the people in your life know that you love them. Yes. This was beautifully said, Annalise. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And would you like to leave a message to our listeners, Richard? Well, it's, it's as always an absolute delight. And it's so amazing just to have met you. I think we only, we only really met last week, but I, I think I feel like I've known you for a long time. You're just such a delightful person. And thank you so much for your generosity and bringing these topics up because it's so important to talk about this and um, to to figure out ways that we we can go forward and 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 it, you are a vector of love so I think and both of you are and so wonderful to talk to you both. Thank you. I really appreciate your words mean a lot to me and yeah. If I can, I'm here. If you need anything, I'm here with open heart and Annalise. Um. I couldn't be happier, as I told you, to have you and Richard here today. And would you mind leaving some, a message or something that you feel like that is important? Thank you, Lucia. And I join Richard in thanking you very much indeed. It's so important that you 
you bring this this wisdom and this lightness and this joy to so many listeners around the world and to all of you who are listening to this. Thank you also for making that time. And um, yeah, maybe a last message is actually something to do with some um, news that I received uh, in the last days from a dear friend uh, who took his own life because the pressures became too much. And I'm very aware that for a lot of people around the world right now, these are very hard times. And especially the younger people, um, the suicide rates around the world have gone up uh, tremendously. So I want, and for a lot of them, it's because they don't see another way out and they're scared of the future. They're really scared of, you know, we don't realize sometimes the impact it has, especially in a younger generation to constantly saying that we're in an extinction event and, you know, um, we're going to go into another climate crisis and code red for humanity. Although all of it is true and we do need these messages to wake up. I want to also be mindful about the impact of that on, on people and because it's sometimes too hard to take in. So for all of you around the world, where you're feeling depressed and you're feeling it's all too much and the pressure is too much, I want you to know you're not alone. And just know that a lot of people also were going through this and and please hold on okay um, and find that strength in in your heart and reach out to people around you um, because many people don't don't understand or know that maybe you're even going through that please know that you are not alone there are places where you can ask uh, for help and uh, for support and don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to, to ask for help and just want to, for everyone around the world who's having a really hard time right now, just sending you my love. Thank you. Dear listeners, you can find the books Imagine and The Quest of Rose on Amazon and other bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.